How many of you can say, since I've been saved, I have been in a wilderness experience at least once? Now, I'm going to explain what a wilderness is to you uh, in just a moment. But um, let, let's read 1 Corinthians 10. I'm going to just open up a series today that we're calling Wilderness Wanderings because uh, after pastoring, wow, it's hard to believe, 32 years, I've seen that not only have I gone through wildernesses, but that many of God's people, I'm getting feedback a little bit, guys. Not only have I done it, but God's people have gone through wilderness wanderings that I've counseled, ministered to, talked with. And generally, uh, Christians don't understand what they're going through or how to navigate through it, how to get to the other side. And yet the Bible talks very, very clearly about the wilderness and uh, that, that experience that is so real for most people of faith. So let's read. And I, if you've got your Bible with you, hold, hold it up. Let's stand up and hold up your Bible, can you? If you've got your Bible with you, hold it up. Now, if you're a member of this church and you're without your Bible, you came to church half-dressed. So I want you to be sure to bring your Bible next time because this is our sword. I'm holding a Bible big enough to defend myself with today because I left my other Bible at home. This Bible is heavy, but uh, so is the Word of God, heavy as in good. Amen? So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 10, 11 and 12, and let's look at what the Bible says about the wilderness. Now, all these things happen to them as examples, that being Israel. That's the them. The them is Israel. All these things happen to them as examples, and they were written for whose admonition? For ours. And then upon whom the end of the ages have come. That is, we're going to see the, re the return of Christ. The church is going to see the return of Christ. Now notice what he says in verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands watch out lest he fall. Now he, he adds that little verse, 12, in there to let us know that it's generally the wilderness times of life that we stumble. The wilderness times of life that we don't understand they kind of throw us for a loop, and we tend to trip. So he says, be careful that when you're in the wilderness, be careful that you don't trip and stumble because it can happen to anybody. Amen? Father, thank you for your word today, and we pray that you will come to us, Lord, in our wilderness. Those of, uh, that are here today that are in one, those watching by streaming video that are in a wilderness, I pray the word of God will encourage them today. And Lord, those of us that are here that have been in one or are about to go through one, I thank you for the anchoring power of the Word of God. And I pray that you will minister to us. Now, will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, I receive your wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Now tell your neighbor, you're going to make it through the wilderness. You're going to make it through the wilderness. Now, this is the Apostle Paul's. If you read 1 Corinthians 10, um, 1 through 13 or so, the whole thing is about the wilderness. He's talking to Christian people, the Corinthian church, about the fact that the children of Israel went through that long extended wilderness that I'm going to talk about more in a moment. And he said, he said to the Christians, these things were written by the Holy Spirit, put into the Bible for us so that we would not make the same mistakes they did in the wilderness. And not only that we will survive the wilderness, but thrive in the wilderness 
and come out stronger than when we went in. And I really do believe that's God's plan. Now, the Bible not only reveals that they went through a wilderness and the mistakes they made, but it also tells us why God had them there, what he was trying to teach them, what he was trying to um, work into them and build into them, because God knew unless they get to where I've designed the wilderness to get them, they won't be able to handle the promised land, the giants, the warfare, the difficulty, the challenges, the testing of their faith. So the wilderness was really a boot camp, a training ground for what was coming to prepare them really for times of great blessing. So there was a reason, and we're going to go through that in the next few weeks. We're going to learn what God was trying to teach them, because what he was trying to teach them, he's also trying to teach us. Now, let me give you a little bit of history about uh, the wilderness that the children of Israel went through so we can kind of uh, understand, get a better perspective of, of where we're going, what they experienced, and where we're going in the next few weeks. The, the Bible tells us very clearly, it's one of the, the really... Um, uh, sad parts of the Old Testament, that these people who were delivered from Egypt and went through everything they did and all the signs and all the wonders that Moses took them through, that Moses performed so they could be delivered, the Red Sea parting, walking across on dry land, and the sea closing in on their enemies, the mighty deliverance, the mighty power of God, and yet they get in the wilderness and they completely blew it. The Bible says that they, they were in that wilderness for 40 long years, and guess, guess what? This is hard to hear, but after 40 long years, all of them but two stayed on this side of Jordan. None of them but two got to go over in the promised land. That's tough. And you know, especially when you read that the distance between the Red Sea and the promised land that God had given to them could have been traveled in two and a half weeks. You could have taken a million people in two and a half weeks across that distance into the promised land. So you stop and think, wow, what in the world bogged them down, hindered them, distracted them, and defeated them time and time again that they didn't make it? What was the problem? What was the deal? They constantly, the Bible says, frustrated God's grace and sabotaged their progress. You know, it's one thing when you get into a wilderness that you didn't have anything to do with. It's another thing when you get into one that's your fault. And, and that's, there, there's two ways we get into a wilderness. We get into a wilderness by our own bad decisions. And many of you, including myself, have experienced that. You make some bad decisions. You end up in a wilderness because of your own uh, decisions and the consequences thereof. Or God takes you into a wilderness for his own good purposes that we're going to talk about in just a moment. But they got themselves stuck in it. They were really stuck there. And then the Bible says that after only one and a half years of wandering in the wilderness, they messed up so bad that they brought upon themselves a 40-year sentence. The Bible says in the first year and a half, they tested God ten times. In, the neg in a negative way. They tested God 10 times in a year and a half. It took them a year and a half to sabotage their destiny. A year and a half. And God said, all right, that's it. I'm done. 
None of you that I delivered out of Egypt are going to make it into the promised land, but two, Joshua and Caleb, because they have kept the faith. But the rest of you, you're going to die on this side of Jordan, and your children are going to be the ones that take the promised land. I often wonder what it was like when the last of the first generation was dying. How many of that second generation were walking around him saying, come on, go home. We're ready to take the promised land must not have been any fun at all if you're the last one because they couldn't go over to the last one died. God helped that last one. The rest of them died in the wilderness. That's the story of the children of Israel in the wilderness. Now, I want us to remember that Israel's wilderness was a real place, a geographical landmass. They really were crossing a wilderness place. They journeyed through what the Bible describes as a great and terrible place of fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water. The wilderness was essentially an uninhabited place. Nothing was there but barrenness. There was no vegetation. There was no water to drink. They had to get water from the rock, and the rock that followed them was Christ. Because in this wilderness, there was no water. There was nothing to eat. It was barren. It was dry. It was destitute. It was desolate. It was like being lost in that place that we used to watch on TV, that show called Death Valley. How many of you remember Death Valley? All the baby boomers just raised their hands. That was back when they had real TV. That was a Western, by the way, those of you that don't know. And it was black and white, but it was so good. But anyway, I digress. But see, the wilderness we go through is not necessarily a real geographical place, but it's a spiritual place. Yet, what we experience, the testing, the trying, the challenges, are very, very similar to what the children of Israel went through in that real place called the wilderness. And that's why it matters. And that's why Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 10, so that we could read what they went through and be careful not to make the same mistakes, because God has for us a promised land as well. And not only are we going to heaven one day, but we're also, right now, in time and space, in this life, we have a promised land. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, it's peace, it's joy in the Holy Ghost. That's part of the promised land. Victory over the devil, that's part of our promised land. Victory over temptation, that's part of our promised land. Bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith, that's part of the promised land. Walking with Jesus every day, that's part of the promised land. Knowing that one day when we die, we're going straight to a place called heaven, and that's our ultimate promised land. But let me just kind of help you to realize whether or not you're in a wilderness place today. I've experienced it many times in my own life. Let me just describe what I've learned and what I see from the Bible, how you can know if you're in a wilderness. When you're in a wilderness, you feel as if you're standing still. You feel like everything around you has kind of suddenly stopped. Before the wilderness, things were happening here, there, and everywhere. You were in the middle of a move. You were in the middle of something great. All of a sudden, it seems like things have stopped. You might call it a sense of being stuck or treading water, or being on a hamster's wheel, and you are exuding energy, you are putting forth energy, you're trying to get somewhere, but you're getting nowhere, or so it seems. 
Because in the wilderness, they walked around the same mountain over and over and over again and got nowhere. It was like being in a spiritual cul-de-sac, walking in circles, driving in circles, ending up at the same address on frustrated lane. Haven't I been here before? Didn't I experience this before? Why am I experiencing this again? Why can't I seem to be getting anywhere? That's the feeling of the wilderness. You feel like you're driving solo. You're alone. You're used to people being around you, but all of a sudden you feel very alone, isolated. You try to radio God, but it's as though He doesn't hear you at all. I'm not saying He doesn't. I'm just saying it feels like He doesn't. You want to talk to somebody about it, what you're going through, but no one understands. You try to explain. They say, where's your faith? Don't you just love that when somebody says that to you? Your faith is stretched to the limit and somebody asks you where your faith is? How many of you wanted to... What do you mean, where's my faith? Stupid. I'm exercising faith. You call your best friend, and they're not answering the phone. You call your mother, she's not at home, and your dad's at work. Your boyfriend's weirding out on you, and you can't get your girlfriend on the phone. You ask yourself this question in the wilderness. What in the world is going on? What is the shift? What has taken place? Here, here's the wilderness. Essentially, your security blankets have been pulled out from under you. All the things you're used to leaning on, all the props, all the things that are kind of fleshly or worldly are suddenly jerked out from under you, and all that's left is God, and that's one of the reasons for the wilderness. Your wilderness may be not having a mate. Well, you know, where have all the men gone? Where have all the women gone? I've prayed, I've fasted, I've bound, I've loosed, and I can't meet somebody. What is wrong with me? Why am I alone? And it's that aloneness that, that, that really kind of contributes to your sense of being in a wilderness. Your wilderness may be not having any money. Your wilderness may be a child that won't do right. Your kids were raised right and they've gone wrong. You don't understand it. And it seems like it's not getting any better, but maybe even getting worse. And so you feel like you're in this wilderness, walking around the same mountain, not getting anywhere, confused, not knowing how to navigate it, not knowing how to deal with it. There are questions you ask in the wilderness like this. Where am I and who am I? It seems nobody can help you because the arm of flesh is useless in the wilderness. God sees to it that, let me, I'm going to tell you the truth now today, God sees to it that flesh can't help you, that you must go to Him for your help. God sees to it that you just can't seem to find the answer among human beings, you must go to His Word, you must go to Him. That's part and parcel of the purpose of the wilderness. You've prayed, you've rebuked devils, you've fasted, yet still you're in a barren place. If that's you, I want you to stay tuned, I'm going to be your guide the next few weeks on, on helping us to get through the wilderness, how to handle the wilderness, how to navigate through it, how to get to the other side. And as we're going to see, the wilderness is the place God uses. I'm going to say it again. The wilderness is the place God uses to help fashion and shape us into the image of Christ, into the people we really want to be. There is a purpose in the wilderness. The Bible reveals that all of God's champions experienced a wilderness. Did you know that? 
Abraham had to go through the wilderness. God comes to him and says, Abraham, I want you to leave your home, your family, your father's house, everything you've known, everything that's familiar to you. I want you to leave it, and I want you to to go to the promised land, the land that I'm going to show you. And between his calling out from Ur of the Chaldees to the provision, from the promise to the provision, was a long, vast, extended wilderness. God chose Joseph to be a leader. But long before that, Joseph was cast into a pit by his own brothers and then sold into slavery by his own brothers and then locked up in prison under a false accusation for a crime he did not commit. Can anybody say wilderness? But we see in the story of Joseph, he went from pit to pinnacle. When he was done with his wilderness, God knows how to get you out of the wilderness when it's time. And when you do, you find that God promotes you following your wilderness. And Joseph went to second only to Pharaoh. David was promised to be the king of Israel. Here he is, a young teenager, still some acne on his face. And he's called out of the field. He comes into the house. There's his brothers. There's his dad. And there is the prophet Samuel. Samuel calls him to himself, pours oil onto his head and says, you're the next king of Israel. You would think he would have gone from there to the throne. But no, he went 10 years into a wilderness experience where he was literally living under the stars, sleeping with one eye open in caves under the open sky because Saul was trying to kill him and take his life. And so for 10 years, David was in the wilderness. But do you know that our richest, most beautiful psalms come from that time that David spent in the wilderness? That's what David experienced. Moses was in the wilderness in order to help deliver God's people through the wilderness. And sometimes we will experience a wilderness to help somebody else that's in our orbit through the wilderness. We go through it with them. God promised Israel a promised land. But first, they had to navigate through a long and treacherous wilderness. And as I've already said, most of them did not make it. Even Jesus, the promised Messiah, had to go through the wilderness. The Bible says that after Jesus' water baptism at the hands of John at the River Jordan, the Bible says that the Spirit of God drove him into the wilderness. In the wilderness, Jesus experienced hunger. He experienced temptation. In the wilderness, he found himself alone. His friends weren't there. He had no support team to encourage him. There was not another human being with him there in the wilderness. And really, Jesus is the ultimate type and picture of a wilderness experience. I believe that Jesus felt the aloneness intensely. Perhaps he wondered for a while about Questions like, what do I do next? Where do I go? How do I handle this? You say, no, Jeff, Jesus didn't go through that. He always knew exactly what to do. Listen, it says he was tempted in every point like we are, yet without sin. So when we experience questions like, what do I do next? Where do I go? How do I handle this? So does Jesus. Jesus experienced the same thing. He was tempted in every point like us. Every place you have felt the enemy attack you, Jesus knows the feeling. Mark informs us that Jesus' wilderness experience also included the presence of dangerous wild animals. It says the beasts were there in the wilderness. I don't know what they were. Wolves, coyotes, fox, lions. But they were carnivorous. They were carnivorous animals. They were dangerous animals. That was Jesus' wilderness. And the Bible says he experienced an intense battle 
with the ultimate beast in the wilderness, the devil himself. Hand-to-hand combat with Satan. If you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, do this, do this, do this. So watch this, aloneness, hunger, thirst, danger, and intense spiritual warfare comprised our Lord's wilderness experience. Now here's the good news. Listen carefully. The captain of our salvation came out of the wilderness full of the power of the Spirit. And he began to systematically destroy the works of the devil. I love the explicitness of the Bible because the Bible says the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, but he came out in the power of the Spirit, an anointed of God, and began to shut the devil down. Now, guess what? Let's carefully remember that he is our role model. Jesus is our role model. He is our example. He is the one who went before us and blazed the trail. He is the captain of our salvation. So if this was Jesus' experience in the wilderness going into it, having all these difficulties and faith challenges, and then coming out in the power of the Spirit to wreak havoc on the devil, then that is God's will for you and for me. So say with me, I'm coming out. If you really believe it, say it better than that. I'm coming out. You're coming out because the one who went out first lives inside of you. Amen. Now, let me give you some wilderness facts today as we start this series. Let me just give you some things that you're really going to want to remember as we go through this series. First of all, before the fulfillment of your promise, it is a Bible principle. Before the fulfillment of your promise, you're likely going to have a wilderness experience. It's God's way. He prepares you for the blessing. Wilderness experiences almost always precede spiritual promotion. All the Bible champions that I named, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, David, even the Lord Jesus, all had wilderness experiences prior to their promotion. You can read about it. The fact is that our wilderness experiences really are blessings disguised as trouble. That's what they are. The wilderness of today prepares you for the blessing of tomorrow. I want you to remember that. The wilderness of today is preparing you for the blessing of tomorrow. If we respond biblically to what God is trying to teach us, if we learn our lessons, if we learn what he's trying to teach us, then he is the one that's going to open the door and bring us out to the other side. Listen to what Hosea prophesied to Israel concerning their wilderness experience. He said, therefore, I will allure her. The her is Israel. Therefore, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness, and will speak comfort to her. Notice, he says, I'm going to bring myself. I am personally going to bring her into a wilderness. And when I've got her in the wilderness, I'm going to speak comfort to her. And I will give her, he goes on to say, vineyards from there. And she shall sing there. And then he goes on to say, I will even turn the valley of Achor, another word for the wilderness. Achor means trouble. I will turn their valley of trouble into a doorway of hope. That's the promise of God. Whatever has got you down today, 
Whatever has got you defeated today, whatever is vexing you today, perplexing you today, can I tell you that God has the power and God has the will and it is God's way to take that valley of trouble and literally transform it into a doorway of hope for you, His children. If you're in the wilderness today, God says, don't lose hope because I have a plan for you to get you through it and to even give you vineyards of blessing from your experience. Wow. You know, the devil wants to destroy you in the wilderness. God wants to turn the wilderness into a vineyard of blessing, into a doorway of hope, into a place where you are stronger than when you went in. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, they were thrown into that burning, fiery furnace, you remember, with their hands tied behind them. And down they went. But when they were brought out, the only thing that had been burned was the ropes that had bound them were, were burned right off of their hands, and they came out praising God freer than when they went in. And that's what happens in the wilderness. That's what happens in the wilderness. You go in with certain things kind of binding you up. You come out freer than when you went in. That's the will and the purpose of God. Isaiah said, I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And one of my favorite verses, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Don't try to figure everything in the wilderness out. Just listen to what God is saying to you there. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways. In the wilderness, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. That's the promise. God knows what he's doing in your life, church, especially in the wilderness. So you're not going to die in the wilderness. God is with you there. The wilderness precedes promotion. The Lord will never forsake you in the wilderness. Do you believe that? Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, 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 even to the end of the world, and I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. In fact, it's in wilderness experiences that sometimes God is more real to us than he's ever been before. So say with me, wilderness precedes promotion. The Lord will never forsake me there. And here's, here's a third thing. The wilderness can be the hot desert that God uses to burn away what is fleshly in our lives. You know, God said to his own people in the wilderness, he said, the Lord your God disciplines you in the wilderness for your own good. God sometimes wants us alone. Can I shock you with that today? Sometimes God wants you alone. You know why? Because he wants to say something. And as long as we're busy and going here and there and thither and yon, and, and all these things are happening around us. We don't have time to hear God. So sometimes God will take us into a wilderness place so that he can get our undivided attention and speak fresh direction to us, fresh vision to us, give us an answer to something that has been perplexing us. Sometimes he's got to get us alone to talk to us. And that's the purpose of the wilderness. Amen. The wilderness is the place where your spiritual flab is going to get cut away. That's what God does in the wilderness. Your spiritual flab is going to get cut away because in the wilderness you can't afford spiritual flab. It's got to go. You say, well, why, Jeff? Because here's why. You know what God is looking for? He's looking for an army of people that have a spine. He is looking for an army of people that know how to fight the devil. 
He's looking for an army of people who will stand up and not be ashamed, who will set others free, who will proclaim the name of Jesus, not some religion, who will take a stand for him in the middle of a perverse generation, who will walk in the anointing of the Spirit and can be trusted with great and strong ministries. That's what God is looking for. It's in the wilderness that God prepares us for battle. It's in the wilderness we learn how to pray. It's in the wilderness that we learn to rebuke devils. You know, I, had a, I was in a wilderness one time. Right after we graduated, I graduated from college, and I just knew that the world was going to open up to me when I got out of college. And I sent out all of my letters of recommendation signed by all the big guns that, you know, I'm, I'm ready to come take the world. Here I come, Billy Graham, part two. Jesus, now that I'm graduated, turn me loose. And before I knew it, I'm in a wilderness. And I am painting office complexes in the midnight hour. And the devil is sitting on my, I'll never forget it. I was on a ladder. I was painting a ceiling. And this voice began to gnaw at me. It was about 1 o'clock in the morning. And, and this was what everything had come to. And I was kind of thinking, where's the, the ministry I was waiting for? And, and what in the world is going on? And I'm painting, and the devil jumped right on my shoulder. How many of you know what it's like to have him jump right on your shoulder? And he said, where is your God? You've been wrong this whole time. There is no ministry for you. Look at you, fool. You've been giving everything to God, and here you are painting an office complex at 1 o'clock in the morning. Is this what you went to school for? Is this what you saw for yourself? You have been God's fool, and all of a sudden, something came upon me. I remember putting down that roller, climbing down off that ladder, and right there in the office complex, nobody else was there, and I knew that. At least I hope there wasn't. And I said this. I said, devil in the name of Jesus, leave me alone. <laughs> and you know what happened? Suddenly peace flooded my soul. I was like, God said, see, now that's what I'm wanting you to learn. You're in a wilderness, but you're going to come out. And when you come out, you're going to know how to deal with the devil. like it when I tell stories like that, don't you? You think that I just went through school and th this all came to me? Oh, no, no, no. There have been long wildernesses. And, and thank God for them because they prepared me for this hour. Folks, God is with you. He's not going to walk out on you. He's not going to leave you. He's putting a sword in your hand, spiritually speaking. He's putting the shield of faith in the other. He's teaching you how to deal with your enemy. He's putting his word deep down in your soul. And you are going to be part and parcel of the answer and not the problem. He's going to use you to speak to this generation. You're not going through what you're going through for nothing. God has his hand on your life. He's got a plan. It's in the wilderness that God does surgery and cuts away our sins, cuts away the fleshly things that don't need to be there anymore. Selfishness, greed, lying, fornication, adultery, different things that are fleshly in our life. He just cuts them away in the wilderness because we can't afford to be carrying excess baggage in the wilderness. How else are you going to learn to trust Him? How are you going to learn patience? How are you going to learn to seek Him if you don't do it while you're in the wilderness? I think of David's words. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before I was afflicted, I drifted. But now that I've been afflicted, I keep and read and study and meditate on your word. 
One last thing I want to say about the wilderness. The wilderness teaches us to depend on God like nothing else. God told the children of Israel, listen to this. Remember how the Lord, your God, led you through the wilderness. Now catch this, church, because this is for us. For these 40 years, here's what God did. Humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey His commands. Yes, He humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna of food previously unknown to you and to your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, which is one of the verses Jesus quoted at the devil. Now, catch what he's saying here. In the wilderness experiences of life, a trade-off happens deep down within us. It's a trade-off. And here's the trade. We switch from leaning on fleshly things to leaning on God. The props we're used to running to for security are gone. And God says, here's what you have. You have my word, manna. You have the water of the Holy Spirit. The rock that followed them was Christ. Now that rock, the water came. He said, you have my son. You have my word. You have my spirit. And that is what I want you to begin to lean on instead of any worldly thing. So we make a trade in the wilderness. Oh, and it's very real because we know flesh can't help me. I can't help me. Circumstances sure aren't helping me. So I have one thing. I have his word, and I have his spirit, and I have him. And so I'm learning to lean. Remember that old song? One of those old, simple songs. Learning to lean, learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Finding more power than I've ever dreamed. Learning to lean. On Jesus. That's what the wilderness does. My friends aren't here. My everything I leaned on is not here anymore. But I got that word. I've got him. And you switch. And that switch is absolutely necessary to you coming out on the other side to inherit your promises. Let me tell you what's most important in life, and I'm gonna close. Speaking of Death Valley, remember those old wooden wagon wheels you saw on Death Valley on the stagecoaches? Wooden wagon wheel, and there was wooden spokes, and then there was a wooden hub. Remember that? Now, let me ask you a question. If that hub, you remember the Indians were always shooting the flaming arrows, and the flaming arrow would, would hit the stagecoach and it would set on fire. What if one of those flaming arrows hit that hub, just stuck in that hub of that wagon wheel, and it started to burn. You know what would happen. The hub would burn, and then all the spokes coming out from that hub would also be set on fire. Eventually, the whole wheel would collapse because the hub, the center, collapsed. Now, let me tell you about you and God. Your walk with Jesus is that hub. There's nothing more important, and this is what the wilderness teaches you, 
Nothing more important than that relationship with Jesus. How are you doing with him? Are there issues between you and him? Are you clear with him? Are you walking with him? Are you seeking him? Are you tight with him? Have you put him above everything else? Because he's the hub. And here's what the devil wants. The Bible says he shoots flaming arrows. And he'll shoot an arrow into your life to sabotage that relationship with Christ. It might be a person. It might be a place. It might be a thing. You know, I've told you often, if God wants to bless you, he puts a person in your life. If Satan wants to destroy you, he puts a person in your life. Whatever it is that's able to get to that hub, and that hub gets set on fire and begins to self-destruct. When that thing begins to self-destruct, here's the spokes. One spoke is your finances. Another spoke is your marriage. Another spoke is your other relationships. Another spoke is your children. Another spoke is your victory over temptation. All the issues of life come out from that hub. And if it's on fire, all the rest is going to be affected. So here's what the wilderness teaches. Man shall not live by bread alone. But every word that comes from the mouth of God, in other words, he's got to be number one. One, two, three. Okay? He's got to be number one. And any time I have found myself in a wilderness... I've always doubled down on that one thing. I tell people that come to me and say, man, I'm in a wilderness. I don't know where I'm going, where I've been. I don't know what's up or down. I say, where's your relationship with Jesus? That's the first thing I want to know. Because that's, got, that's the beginning of getting out. That right there. How's your relationship with Jesus today? How is it? Is it good? Is it tight? Is it strong? Is it healthy? Is it vibrant? If we, if we had a thermometer and we could take the temperature of your walk with God, is it 98.7? Or is it frozen? Or is it feverish? Because that, the wilderness says, get back to the importance of that hub. Can we stand together today? You know, I, I love you so much in the Lord. I pray for you. I seek God for you. I, I walk with God for you. I do. And I want to see you do what Jesus did. He came out in victory and moved into his promise. Amen?